When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, October 19th. Decided to record today's podcast a bit later in the day, starting around 6.30 p.m. Eastern time here. Why is that the case? Well, yesterday I recorded the podcast thinking all of the day's matches had concluded. That was obviously not the case, as Holger Runa had yet to play his first match in Stockholm. Runa ultimately knocked off in straight sets by Miamir Kesmanovic. Now, Runa was the top seed in Stockholm this week. That's obviously the sort of result that should have led one of yesterday's shows, but unfortunately, I missed it. I apologize for that unforced error on my part. That said, to make up for that or to try to avoid that moving forward, I adjusted. We just saw Yannick Hoffman finish off his three-set win over Dominic Team. That was certainly the last match of the day alongside of Ava Lise, who comes from a set, I believe, five love down to earn a three-set victory over Jacqueline Christian. So again, all of the day's tour matches have now concluded. It is time for us to discuss what unfolded. That is the agenda for today's show. I want to run you through all the results from our six tour level events. Certainly the lead today will be the upset of another top seed. This time it comes in Tokyo. Taylor Fritz suffering his first real shocking loss, dare I say, of the season. Knocked off in three sets. He takes a six-love opener, but love six, six, four, seven, six. Shintaro Machizuki comes storming back. Some of you may know a little bit about the young Japanese player. Others may just be learning about him now. I want to run you through what he's accomplished thus far in his career, not just at the professional level, but why so many were excited about him at the junior level as well. We'll preview what is a funky set of quarterfinals in Tokyo. Massive opportunity for two guys in particular. Now, if you've examined the draw, you may know who those two players are, but that is what we call in this business a tease. I will discuss who that opportunity is for here on today's show. We'll run you through the other ATP action. Stockholm Fairly steady day. We only had one seed in action. That was Adrian Manorino. He earned an impressive victory, but definitely want to talk a little bit about that three-set thriller between Emer and Prismich, the Swede advancing to his third career quarterfinal. We'll talk about how he got there, what the quarterfinals looked like there. Of course, we'll talk Antwerp as well. Hanfman over team. Tsitsipas over Vandesen. Skolbar upset of the day. Gaston 7-6 in the third over Jan Leonard Struve. We'll break down not just the men's action, but then, fun day of women's action as well. Probably the most fascinating thing I saw was the three-set battle that unfolded between Clara Burel and Erica Andriva. Andriva fighting off 10 match points. 
But on the 11th, it was Clara Burel who ultimately advanced. We'll break down the mechanics of that one, talk about everything that unfolded in Monastir. Again, we had some fun three-setters in Cluj-Napoca as well. A seed getting knocked off, a one seed coming from behind, 7-5 in the third. She advances with a ruckus home crowd behind her. I, of, co of course, am discussing Anna Bogdan. We'll get into all of the three-set matches we saw in Monastir. No singles action today in Nanchung, so we'll save that, I suppose, for tomorrow's podcast. But again, we got five of our six events in action over the last 24 hours. Plenty of results for us to break down here on today's show. Of course, if you've missed anything that's happened over the last couple of weeks, the tennis schedule, it jams together, right? We had those staggered starts in Asia for the men. Countless fun women's events happening each and every week as well. If you missed out on anything, you can catch up on it all here on this mini break podcast feed. As always, I will ask here at the start, please go leave that five-star rating. Please go leave that review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us with our sponsors. It helps us with the podcast formula God. So if you don't mind taking the minute to do so, it would be greatly appreciated by us here at Cracked Rackets. Of course, we're already so grateful. You turn to us day in, day out for your updates on all things in the tennis world. We also are greatly appreciative of the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. You all know the deal. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products at the best prices in the tennis world. All right, who's hot down the home stretch? Who's having results for us to take note of here as we approach the final weeks of the 2023 season? Let's start with that 500-level ATP action in Tokyo. Certainly our upset of the day belongs to Shintaro Machizuki, the 20-year-old world number 215, knocking off top seed Taylor Fritz. He did so after dropping a six-love opening set. It's not every day you see a player come back from a bagel deficit. The 20-year-old ultimately, again, love six, six, four, seven, six. He prevails. Not only did Taylor Fritz take the first set, six-love, he served for the match up 5-3 in the third set. And yes, it's twofold. You have to start, we're glass half full here, giving some credit to the 20-year-old Machizuki for those unaware of the world number 215. He's a former number one junior in the world, a 2019 boys singles champion at Junior Wimbledon. Guy led uh, junior uh, his Japanese squad to a Junior Davis Cup title as well. The tennis has never been the question for Machizuki. The problem is 5'9", maybe 5'10 now. He's maybe grown half an inch, an inch subs uh, since I've last seen him play. He's not the biggest guy. And thus, it takes every fiber of his being, every ounce of his effort to produce the sort of pace required to keep consistent pressure against the top players in the world. And again, he's 20 years old. That physicality has continued to develop over the past few seasons. Not only does he reach this quarterfinal here in Tokyo, first for him at the tour level of his career, but of course, earlier this season, Shintaro Machizuki not only reached his first challenger final, he won his first challenger title. That, of course, coming back in April on the clay in Barletta, it had already been a year of first for Shintaro Machizuki. But again, to get this sort of first career top 10 victory to do it in your home country of Tokyo as a wild card. I mean, again, talk about just 
a magnificent moment. And again, it's not just the win over Fritz, by the way. His four and six victory in round number one over a top 50 player in Tomas Martin Echeverry, where he was only broken once. I mean, again, given his track record against top 100 players, you look for Shintaro Machizuki overall in his career, four and six against the top 100. Two of those four victories coming this week. Talk about a guy hot down the home stretch. Talk about a guy... Uh, accomplishing first, and you look for Machizuki with this result, the 20-year-old up to a new career high, number 169 in the live rankings. That's your brief biography to start. For those of you who are unaware of the 20-year-old, what did he do well against Fritz? Down 3-5 in that third set. It's what he does so exceptionally well. It reminds me of maybe a Ricardus Barrancas with a little bit more pop. But just the contact point, his ability to strike a tennis ball has never been in doubt. That's how you become a world number one junior. And his ability to take the return of serve in particular early on the rise and just get Fritz stretched right off the bat. Now, I think Taylor Fritz played an extraordinarily tentative 5-3 service game in that third. But Machizuki connected on a couple of returns to pressure Fritz, ultimately Fritz dumping a backhand in the net to seed the break back to Machizuki. Again, Machizuki sustained that aggression, connected on a couple of returns in that third set breaker to ultimately take a 7-2 uh, tiebreak victory. Look again, his ability to beat you on the rise with his speed down the line, with his contact point, with his creativity. I think he is comfortable moving forward, hitting the overhead out of the air if necessary. The serve does sit a little bit short, but again, you can say that about just about every 20-year-old who's ever existed, even Carlos Alcaraz right now on the ATP Tour. It's a first quarterfinal on home soil. You could see how much it meant to him, particularly to come back from that sort of deficit. I mean, look, he's got a very winnable match relative to what he's played thus far. I think by ranking, his easiest match will be his next one as he takes on Australian Alexi Popperin. Popperin, a 4-6-7-6-6-2 winner over Christian Garin in his round of 16 match. It's the first stunner for Taylor Fritz. I would argue, of the season. And by the way, it in no way diminishes what Taylor Fritz has accomplished this year. You look for Taylor Fritz 51-22 and 22 overall on the year. But yeah, this Asia swing in general, 7-6 in the third, he loses to Schwartzman in the round of 32 in Shanghai. I'd forgotten about that one. Now 7-6 in the third to a Machizuki who, again, just put that similar sort of physical pressure on Fritz, was willing, uh, was able to withstand his first blow, actually kind of enjoyed that heavy topspin because it allowed him to flatten things out from the baseline, absorb that topspin. You know, again, after a really good North American hardcore stretch, he wins Atlanta, semifinals, three-set loss to Greek Spore in Canada, was up 5-1 in the third, but ultimately drops a three-setter in the round of 16 in Canada to Demonauer, who makes the finals there, then losses to Djokovic in U.S. Open Cincinnati quarters, respectively. It was a really good North American hardcore stretch. It has not been in Asia for Taylor Fritz, who might be, I mean, again, no, I'm not going to say that. But there is no denying Taylor Fritz right now 100 points behind Holger Runa, who, by the way, offers him a lifeline as Runa also knocked out in Stockholm round of 16. So that's still a 100-point deficit for Fritz chasing that eighth spot in the Tour Finals race. It's all on Tommy and 
and Alex Diemenauer now, by the way. That's the tease from earlier in the introduction. You want to know who has a massive opportunity this week at a 500-level event in Tokyo? It's fourth-seeded Alex Diemenauer and fifth-seeded Tommy Paul. If one of them can win that event, they will move from 12th, 13th, respectively, to five points behind Taylor Fritz and 105 points behind Holger Runa for the ninth and eighth spots, respectively, in the points race with Vienna with Paris, all these things still on the calendar. I mean, not all these things, but a few things still left on the calendar for points to be accumulated. They're the favorites to make the finals. They're both, by the way, by reaching the quarterfinals here this week in Tokyo, they're into their 10th and 9th quarterfinals, respectively. Demonauer into his 10th quarterfinal of the year. That's tied for fifth most overall on the season. Tommy Paul into his 9th quarterfinal on the year. That's tied with Djokovic for the 8th most on, uh, excuse me, for the, yes, 8th most on the ATP Tour this season. It's the, it's like the Casacchina 2022 case. You make enough quarterfinals, you're just going to be in the ballgame. And obviously, Tommy and Hour's quarterfinals have come in elite places. It's a 500-level event here. We've seen them in at that 500-level event in Acapulco earlier this season. We've seen them at 1,000-level events in Canada. And, you know, for Tommy, beating Alcaraz the way he did in Canada as well. A lot of similarities in their season. Tommy, of course, has the semifinal in uh, Australia to hang his hat on at the majors in a way Hour really doesn't. But Hour at the two hard court majors, I think his two losses were to Tsitsipas and Djokovic, respectively, in the round of 16. Both were certainly round of 16. Again, they're the favorites. Hour 62.7% favorite to advance to the final. Tommy Paul, 36.6. He still has Shelton FAA alive in his quarter. That is a tough draw on paper, but again, Ben's only won multiple matches at four tour-level events this season, although it is 1-1 in his head-to-heads with Tommy. Tommy would be a heavy favorite over fellow American Marcos Giron. And again, while Felix is great on paper, When's the last time Felix has made a semifinal? It's been quite a while. Talk about a moment for Tommy Paul, Alex Diemenauer, chasing their first tour finals appearance. Again, if one of them captures the title this week, they are within 105 points of that eighth place spot and will have and will be playing and have the most momentum in form of any of their competitors. Tommy, Demon, Fritz, Runa. Rude as well, who's obviously still alive in that race. And yes, Francis Tiafo's alive, though. Obviously, his case falls a little bit by the day. Hubi Hercott, sort of. If he does in Paris, I guess when he does in Shanghai, then yes, he's very much alive. But again, for Tommy, Demon, the window has cracked open that much more. And what will be fascinating to see if they can sprint through it. Again, Machizuki now opening that window. Another crack. Biggest win of the 20-year-old from Japan's career. 7-6 in the third. He knocks out Taylor Fritz. Uh, your other results on the day in Tokyo. Aslan Karatsev continues his strong finish to the season. Mentioned this a couple days ago, but we saw him semifinal in Zhuhai. A third round for him at the U.S. Open was... I thought a significant result given what had otherwise been a lackluster year. He's back inside the top 50 and into the quarterfinals here in Tokyo. Karatsev with this result back up to number 45 in the live rankings. He'll take on Alex Diemenauer tomorrow. That's fascinating because Karatsev will have time to take the swings he wants to take. But again, the counterpunching of Diemenauer. How patient will Karatsev be? That's the question. He was through today. Demon through. Love and five over Diego Schwartzman. 
I mean, again, 10th quarterfinal of the year for Demon Hour. 10. 10 quarterfinals. I said this yesterday. I'll say it again. At least an A minus. That's the grade. You got to give Alex Demon Hour. And if he makes the tour finals, it's an unequivocal A, regardless of if he sneaks into that eighth spot or not. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Alexi Popperin, your final winner on the day in Tokyo. He gets through 467662 over Christian Garin. It's been a strong year, a career year, dare I say, for the 24 year old. Now 35 and 25 overall on the season. You look for Popperin at the tour level 23 and 20. That 23 win mark, the highest of his career at the tour level in a single season. He's holding serve 84.9% of the time. That's a top 25 number amongst top 50 players. And, you know, with this quarterfinal, by the way, up to a new career high, 37 in the live ranking. So opportunity, the name of the game in Tokyo for Demon Hour Paul to push for the top eight for Felix Ogieralia seemed to just steady the ship down the season's home stretch. For guys like Machizuki, Paparin, Karatsev, Yaron, uh, obviously opportunities for 500 level semifinal points. That pretty much means you're playing tour level events those first three, four months of next season. And then the eighth quarterfinalist is Ben Shelton, who might just be the most fascinating player we have right now in the men's game, not named Elkaraz or Djokovic. Anyways, matchups, favorites, Machizuki versus Popperin. Popperin an 87% favorite, according to the Tennis Abstract Singles Forecast. Demon Hour, 76.5% favorite against Karatsev. It's a one-to-one career head-to-head. Paul, 586 against Shelton, one-to-one career head-to-head. And Felix, 3-0 in the career head-to-head against Giron, 64.6% favorite. But, you know, again, I need... I think Felix has been playing significantly better tennis over the past month. Would be great to see him get a result to back up that observation as well. That said, that's your Tokyo update. Let's move over to a couple of women's events now. Let's start in Monastir. Again, the single most fascinating thing I saw all day was the 6-love, 5-7, victory of Clara Burel over Erica and Riva. And, I mean, again... Burel was either up 5-love or 5-1 in that third set, and there was a moment 3-5 Andriva serving a couple of match points for Burel, returning serve Andriva clocking a couple of forehand winners after prolonged 10-15 shot physical rallies. Do I think the upside of Mira Andriva right now is higher than Erika Andriva? I do. Do I think Erika Andriva is a top 100 player throughout the course of her career? Absolutely. The physicality is there. The weapons are there. Again, she just baited Burel into playing those 15-20 shot extended, dare I say, physical is the kind spin, but nervous, tentative, pushing rallies. Because Burel couldn't get a ball by Andriva, and when she, you know, again, she kind of lost her range there, end of the second set. Now, again, Clara Burel's backhand line, when she's stepping into it confidently, it's exceptional. I think she moves sneaky well for someone her height, and, you know, again, for Clara Burel into the quarterfinals here in Monastir, she's now 30-16 and 16 overall on the year. She's into her sixth quarterfinal, fourth at the tour level. It's been a career year for Clara Burel, the 22-year-old former top-ranked junior, not the top-ranked junior, but one of the top five-ranked juniors in the world, currently sitting 66 in the live rankings, where you want to be at that age in striking range, can set your schedule as you deem fit. Good win for her, but man, just keep your eyes on Erica Andriva as well, because I think we will have two uh, Andriva sisters in the top 100 for 
the remainder of the decade moving forward. I think Eric Andreva has that sort of pop. But again, took 10 match points on the 11th. Clara, uh, uh, excuse me, 11 match points. The 11th gets the job done. Burrell, 6-love, 5-7-7-6. Again, into her fourth tour-level quarterfinal of the year where a date with Luzariza Stefanini awaits. I thought, by the way, both Burella and Driva a little shaky on the second serve. But every young player, as we like to say, is going to be a little bit shaky on the second serve. Your other results of the day. Again, a couple of three setters. I talked about uh, Marchenko yesterday. Petra Marchenko, who has been a top uh, five ranked junior in the world as well. She gave Topsy Jasmine Paolini the sort of push I thought she might. But the big hitting Italian, 6-4-3-6-6-2, ultimately advances as I continue to say she's not going to win the overall most improved player of the year award but you look for Jasmine Paolini now 38 and 28 overall on the year she's into another quarterfinal here it's her sixth overall of the season excuse me seventh overall of the season fifth at the tour level you look for Paolini in terms of tour level wins this year she's now uh, at 22 has equaled her career high and Again, is in a quarterfinal match with an opportunity to exceed that total as well. It's been a heck of a year for Paolini. A shout out to her another quarterfinal appearance for the Italian. And by the way, she is currently the third favorite, according to the percentages, to take the title in Monastir. Paolini going to take on Lucia Bronzetti. She's a favorite in that match, 68.6%, but only a 19% favorite to take the title. The favorite right now is Lucia Serenko. Serenko going to take on Nuria Parizas Diaz. Serenko, a 1-5 in five win over Claire Lou. Parizas Diaz, 4-6-7-5-6-2 over Zavatska. Uh, for Paulini Bronzetti won one in the career head-to-head. Everything else, a first-time career head-to-head matchup uh, in Monastir. Parises Diaz trying to make a top 100 push down the home stretch of the season. She's currently at 121 in the live rankings. You look at her opponent, Lucia Serenko. I'm pretty sure she's uh, shorn up. Yeah, she's 32 in the live rankings. But hey, that's what I was wondering. Has she shorn up that seeding uh, come the 2024 Australian Open, certainly in the hunt to do so. Another opportunity to gain some points. Again, quarterfinal set in Monastir. Your favorites, Paulini over Bronzetti, Serenko over Parizas Diaz, Burel over Stefanini, and then Elisa Mertens, a favorite over my Hantama. That's where things are in Monastir. Over in uh, Cluj-Napoca, you know, again, a lot of three setters on the day. I'm not sure how many of them I'd qualify as upsets. Certainly, given Jacqueline Christian's seven six, uh, excuse me, six two five love lead, over, or maybe it was five one lead over Avalise. I didn't see that match flipping. It did. Ultimately, Avalise two six seven five six two toss about a massive win for the young German, the twenty one year old, up to now a new uh, career high. No, but she is up to number one twenty one in the live rankings and is nine spots off her new career high ranking in reaching the quarterfinals here in Cluj-Napoca. Your other winners on the day, Anna Bogdan, she survived. four six seven six six five over Bartunkova. And look, I'm going to be honest. I had never seen Nikola Bartunkova play the wild card from the Czech Republic, currently 17 years old. So that's why I haven't seen her play. Oh my God, I'm in. Pushing in some chips on, all right. Good to know. There might be a tweet coming from me. Yes, she lost today, but if you haven't watched Nikola Bartunkova play, 
I'm not trying to typecast her just because she's another fellow Czech, but it reminds me so much of Karolina Mukova. The athleticism, how she hits the backhand, the wristiness of the forehand, the springiness. The elite pace isn't there yet, but it's in work, and the fluidity certainly is. I loved what I saw from 17-year-old wildcard Nikola Bartunkova. She was one I mean, she was right there on the cusp of a first career tour level quarterfinal. What a moment at would have been still for Bogdan. She survived 7-5 in the third. Uh, your other winners, Elena Gabriela Russo, down in early break, 7-6-6-2. She overcomes Bondard. You had Korpats, 2-6-6-2-7-6. She upsets eighth-seeded Jody Barrage. And then strange season for Jill Teichman continues. She's fallen outside the top 100. Now a nice victory for Emiliana Erengo, who of course came to all of our attentions in reaching the quarterfinal in Guadalajara. You look for the 22-year-old Colombian. Now another tour-level quarterfinal. She's up to 110 in the live rankings, knocking on the door on an Australian Open main draw berth, as well as a top 100 debut. Obviously a massive opportunity for her coming up in these Cluj-Napoca quarterfinals now as uh, Bre- uh, Arango going to take on Elena Gabriela Russa, but man, again, it's strange. Only, I believe, what, two seeds remaining now, and they're going to go uh, and head-to-head in the quarterfinals, Bogdan versus Masarova. You imagine the winner of that probably becomes the favorite and includes Napoka moving forward right now. It's Ava Lise, uh who's the favorite just because the top half of the draw that wide open. But you look at our quarterfinal matches, Sneger versus Korpats, Bogdan versus Masarova, uh, Erengo going to take on Rusa. It will be Makarova taking on Ava Lise. That's where things stand right now in Romania. Again, no action today on the singles court in Nanchung. I think everything's playing tomorrow, though. So round of 16 matches, Sinyakova, Gracheva, Sigamen, Aikiri, uh, Yu Xiao D versus Fernandez, Savink versus Sasnovich. You also have quarterfinal matches, Schneider versus Hibino, Bozhkova versus Osorio. So plenty of WTA Tour action to keep us all entertained throughout the course of the weekend. We also have two more ATP events I want to touch on before we wrap today's show. Let's start with the action that happened in Antwerp. Obviously, the big note at the end, Dominic teams come back falling short team ultimately knocked out 6-4-5-7-6-4 by fifth seeded Yannick Hoffman it's been a career year for the former USC All-American obviously that career year started or is most punctuated by his run to the quarterfinals at that 1000 level event in Rome but look at what he's done since then semifinals Mallorca quarterfinals Stad quarterfinals now here in Antwerp as well has created a runway for himself to again sustain this top 75 ranking for the majority of next season and look this is a guy who doesn't have a ton of points to defend to start next year didn't win a match at the Australian Open had to make it through qualifying made one quarterfinal at the South American heart, uh, clay court stretch in February, but had to play qualifying at all those events. That certainly won't be the case next season. Didn't play Indian Wells, didn't play Miami main draws, semifinalist at Houston. But again, you imagine he'll have the opportunity to play those 1,000 level events before then. Yana Kaufman has a four-month runway to, again, make another top 50 push. And the th- I, my favorite set of the year, the 31-year-old, 
had he made a quarterfinal this year in Stad by winning just one match. That was the first time in his career he had ever had a bye and required just one victory to make a tour-level quarterfinal. It took him 31 years old to put himself in a situation where life could be that easy. Now, obviously, a couple of wins here in Antwerp over Block team get him to the quarterfinals. He just kind of took it to Dominic Team Again, indoor hard courts, it's a tough matchup for Team on this surface in particular because Hoffman's going to rush you. The moment you leave something short, he's taking it on the rise. He's going to mix in the drop shots. He's going to just mix in the slice. Never allow Dominic Team those opportunities to wind up and swing through his ground strokes fluidly short of Team creating those opportunities for himself. I'll be it with a serve or connecting perfectly on the return. But again, Hoffman likes to hit that big kick serve wide. And if you stand 12 feet back, as team likes to do, Hoffman, as we saw all match long, is going to take that ground, serve and volley beautifully. Hoffman's just, he's always had a really well-rounded game. I've said it before. One of the more underrated players we saw in college tennis in the 2010s. He clinched both the national indoors and the national championship in Stevie Johnson's senior year to clinch the four-peat. Big Yana Confin fan has a massive opportunity as he will take on top seed Stefano Tsitsipas in the quarterfinals. Tsitsipas 5-3 over Van de was up an early break, seeded that break back, ultimately was able to secure that break to close out the set once again. Look, when you can rush Tsitsipas's backhand, you're going to have opportunities to find success. And I was looking at these stats earlier today, sending them to my friend Jeff Chisiver, who alongside Nick Monroe, Jason Goodall, doing an excellent job steering the ship on Tennis Channel's T2 service, their second serve show. Tsitsipas's break percentage by surface. He's 13th on the clay when he can stand back, take a full swing through that backhand, 34th on hard courts, 41st on grass. When Van de Zanschkulp could pressure the backhand, Tsitsipas struggled. But of course, you look at Tsitsipas's hold percentages across surfaces. Stefano Tsitsipas, third on clay, second on hard courts, fifth on grass. He's always able to dominate with that serve with that plus one forehand, and that was the singular most dominant trait in this matchup. Tsitsipas threw in straight sets to set up again a fun matchup with Hanfman, who can certainly pressure him with that kick serve, that aggressive tactics, his aggressive tactics in the quarterfinals. The big upset, Hugo Gaston, Jan Leonard Struff trading match points. Gaston ultimately 13-11. He advances in a 7-6 third set. Buster, you also had Maximilian Martyr, three and six over Nuno Borges. Both guys trying to make top 100 pushes down the season's home stretch. Gaston up to 90 with his run to the Antwerp quarterfinals. Martyr up to number 115, another victory in Antwerp. He'll be all the way up to 584. That would put him at 105 in the live rankings. That might get you into the Australian Open main draw. So again, Martyr is absolutely making a top 100 push and certainly has an opportunity in his matchup in the quarterfinals as he will take on Hugo Gaston. Massive, massive moment for both guys as they look to set up themselves for successful 2024 seasons. Again, your quarterfinals now set in Antwerp. Uh, those battles will be Tsitsipas versus Hanfman. Tsitsipas, of course, the favorite. Fee versus Juan Pablo Varillas. Fee a 79% favorite. Giovanni Petschik Pericard, the young Frenchman you perhaps have not heard of, the 20-year-old, 226 in the world, entering the week. Hits the cover off the ball. 
It's going to be really fun to watch him take on Sasha Bublik. Those are weapons everywhere. Can his one-handed backhand hold up to the Bublik serve? We'll find out. Bublik, the 81% favorite. And then Martyr versus Gaston. Martyr 2-0 in the career head-to-head. Gaston, though, 56.6% favorite in tomorrow's matchup. And then last, certainly not least, we move to Stockholm. Uh, again, hard to say there was an upset on the day in Stockholm. Manorino, 4-4 four four over Remwin. Safiulin, Manorino's just got the goods right now. He's not making unforced errors. It's going to be fascinating to watch him take on fellow Frenchman, Gael Monfi. Obviously, Monfi has been Manorino's peer. Monfi's typically the guy higher ranked in this situation. But no, Adrian Manorino's knocking on the door of the top 20. Currently sitting at 24 in the live rankings. He wins the title this week. He'll match Nicolas Yari with 1,720 points. He'll be tied for 20th in the live rankings. So that's what's in the cards for him. Uh, again, it'll be Monfi, Manorino. You had Thomas Maichak or Macha. I'm butchering the pronunciation. I apologize. But the 23-year-old Czech now a winner of 18 of his last 20 matches, two challenger titles leading up to this event, then loses in qualifying to Dino Prismich, but makes up for it in the main draw, uh, gets a buy into the second round, but a straight set victory, 4-1 and one over Stan Wawrinka today. He just hit the veteran off the court. Very winnable match for my check, taking on Laszlo Jera. In fact, according to Tennis Abstract, he's a 58.4% favorite to win that matchup. For what it's worth, Monfi, 4-2 in the career head, with Manorino, your other quarterfinal matchups. Greek Spore, one and two in his career head to head. He's taken on qualifier Pavel Kotov. Greek Spore, though, a 79.6% favorite. Kesmenovic versus Elias Emer. Emer, of course, knocking off Dino Prismich in three sets. The physicality of the Swede. He just asked all the right questions, grinded through that backhand wing of Prismich. Again, three-set win for Emer. Then Kesmenovic, obviously, the straight set upset over Holgaruna. The rhythm's just not there for Runa right now. Big moment for Kesmenovic, who I believe has to have fallen out of the top 50, right? Yeah, he's 57 in the live rankings. Title this week, though, he could be right back in that top 50 mix in what has honestly been a pretty forgettable season for the former top five junior in the world. Right now, according to Tennis Abstract, your favorite, 25.8% Greek Spore, 22.2% Monfi, 15% Manorino, 14.7% Mychak, 12.8% Kasmanovic. What does that mean? It's anyone's ball game in Stockholm, and it means it's worthwhile to continue to tune in to another one of our final championship weekends in the pro tennis world. Of course, we will be here to cover it all on the Mini Break podcast feed. And a shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A massive thank you as well to the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Garuskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.